My son knows all kinds of stuff about this stuff, but I don't know one thing about any of it. Amen. God bless you. What a powerful name. What a powerful name. When you say powerful, you've said a lot. You have said a lot. And again, I say blessings to you all and blessings to brother and sister Grant for the opportunity to be at Peace Tabernacle again. Bless you richly. I think there has been a very serious mistake made. I think the Lord would have been pleased if I had been here when they're selling chocolate truffles. a little disappointed that uh, it's just bad timing. Tell your pastor the next time he asks me, let's get the details worked out here. God bless you. It's so good for me to be here with uh, Norma and Mike, my family. I rarely get to be with my family. And uh, thank you for loving and caring for them. God bless you richly. Uh, Brother Buddy Casto's grandmother's brother was my mother's pastor when she received the Holy Ghost in 1933. Brother Alfred LaPrairie baptized her in Jesus' name. So we've got a connection there. And uh, I thank God for that. I'm glad I'm intertwined with good people. That's one of the major reasons I do not want to go to hell. I don't like hanging out with crazy people. And uh, so... If Jesus comes before I see you again, let's work hard, let's get to heaven tired, and let's enjoy it. I'm not that turned on by a street of gold or walls of jasper or gates of pearl. I don't know how to appreciate that. I've never had any of that. I don't know. But I can understand not having ingrown toenails <laughs> and not having a, a cough. And I apologize again, as I did for Sunday school. So you may have to put up with some coughing and wheezing, etc. But that's all right. We'll just call it this light affliction, like Paul said. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. There is something really precious in this house today. Very precious. I thank God for it. I'm turning your attention to the book of Romans chapter 16. 
Again, I apologize for blowing my nose while I preach. My mother was always highly offended by that. But when you consider the alternative, it's the way it works. Romans chapter 16 and verse 21. Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And Cortus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. My subject is, this land is my land. God bless you. You may be seated. Twenty-five miles north of the Sea of Galilee, in the foothills of Mount Hebron, Jesus took his disciples. He was going to ask them a very important and probing question. And geography is important sometimes, you know. To ask things or to do things in a certain geographical point adds impetus to it. So here he was in the foothills of Mount Hebron. He could look down the Judean Valley and see the Jordan River that flowed from the Sea of Galilee and on into the Dead Sea. So in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked them a very probing question. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, they began to answer. Uh, some say that you are John the Baptist, others Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then he narrowed down the question. You know, Jesus can make you uncomfortable when he narrows things down and it takes the uh, shady areas out. And he asks, but whom say ye that I am? Where do you stand? Are you just an interested onlooker? What do you have to say about me? Are you just a casual observer? Uh, I have a couple of grandsons that are nuts about football, especially Saints football and LSU football, and I know you're not. But they've begged me for years to go with them to the Superdome to see a game or to Tiger Stadium to see a game. And I 
always say to them, what in the world would I want to do that for? That just looks like a lot of work. 100,000 people screaming, stomping, drinking, cursing, yelling. Oh, but daddy, the atmosphere. I said, that's the problem. I could I, I, I couldn't handle that. Uh, Jesus said, I want to know how you feel about me. I want to know where you stand. I don't want to know if you have, if you're a part of a friendly church. I want to know if you're friendly. I don't want to know if you are a part of a praying church. I want to know, do you pray? I'm not that interested in whether or not you are a part of a giving church. I want to know if you are a giver. That's, that's Jesus bringing it down succinctly. Uh, my mother lived the last 19 years of her life in Jackson, Mississippi. And we would go see her pretty often. And uh, at, uh, up at Ridgeland, there was a mall called the North Park Mall. At that time, it was a very nice mall, and it's kind of fallen on hard times like a lot of malls have. <laughs> My wife could spend so many hours there, and uh, I had one store that I was interested in, and it was named... Deck the Walls. I don't know if you've ever visited a Deck the Walls. I don't know if that's a, a chain or a franchise or if that's the only store. I don't ever remember being in one. It's called Deck the Walls. And they had oil paintings. And I uh, have no talent with art. I can't, can't draw a straight line with a T-square. But you young people don't even know what a T-square is. and uh, But I, I love going in there and looking in there. And I would always go straight there. And my wife was in the places where you could buy women's stuff. And that just makes me tired. But I would always take her. And then one day I got to North Park Mall and decked the walls was closed. I stood out in the kiosk there and the gates had been pulled to and locked. There was nothing behind where there used to be paintings. And I got angry. You got one decent store in this mall. You got 30 places you can buy dungarees and tennis shoes and purses and and stuff to make you get rid of your wrinkles and all that stuff. But this was the best store you had, and they closed it. And so I'm, I'm standing there having this conversation with myself, and it dawned on me that I had never spent one penny at Deck the Walls. They didn't build that for lookers. 
They don't build stores for shoppers. They build stores for purchasers. I had never spent one penny at that store, not one. So I I felt like I was not qualified to take them to task. Jesus doesn't need fans. He doesn't need people to sit on the bleachers and clap. He needs followers. He said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't want them to sign up to be a fan. He he is not trying to sell you a T-shirt or a, or a cap or one of them foam fingers, you know, that raise up. He's he's not doing that. He's recruiting followers, people that will follow in his steps. Hosea said, "Follow on to know the Lord." There was uh, there were onlookers at Calvary, you know, the, the kind of folks that follow a a, a police car or a fire engine. They want to know where it's going. We were traveling up 171 in Moss Bluff the other day, and my wife saw a fire truck turn into a subdivision. Follow them. Find out what's going on. What is it? I said, I would imagine that uh, there's a fire but it's not in our neighborhood. And she got highly offended at me, so (coughs) I actually turned around and went back. There were people like that at the cross. Matthew chapter 27, verse 39 says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. They were not there to worship him. They had just heard that, we're going to hang somebody out at Golgotha. Let's go see. Let's take the kids, make some tuna fish sandwiches, and go out and have a little picnic. And uh, there's always somebody to be a fan, but he doesn't want fans. The purpose of Calvary is not just to give our children an Easter vacation or provide a special theme for a musical drama. Jesus wants you to buy in to what he's wanting to do in Baytown, Texas. He's wanting you and your family to be a part of it. He don't want you on the bleachers clapping and saying, boy, that is nice. He wants you in the field. He wants you to be a part of it. Uh, It's very, very important. It's very, very special. Jesus wants you to buy in to what he provided. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Calvary is not just something that we observe at Easter time. It's not an opportunity for our kids to get two or three or four days off from school. It happened. You know why I know? Because I was there. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. My sin was there. Every part of my life was there. It's very, very important that you be a part of what is going on. I always loved Miss Buckley. Miss Buckley was our music teacher at Kilburn. You probably have a picture of Miss Buckley in your wallet or purse because uh, she looked like George Washington. Her hair was those little white, tight curls, and she was Miss Buckley. There was never any mention of a Mr. Buckley, and I didn't question that. And uh, once a week she would come by, and it was always special if she let you be the one to hand out the books, and we would sing these great old home songs, my mother called them. Woody Guthrie was a protest singer. He was a folk singer. In the 1930s, Irving Berlin had written a song entitled, God Bless America. And uh, particularly as it was sung by Kate Smith. Now, if you've never heard Kate Smith sing, God Bless America, you need to try that on for size. She's a big old gal about my size, and she can sing, God Bless America. And uh, uh, Woody Guthrie didn't like the song. Because he felt like it wasn't personal enough. He, he wrote a protest song in 1940. Uh, and he t- entitled it, God Has Blessed America for Me. But he felt like the title was too long. So he took the first line of the chorus and he made that the title. And the, the chorus is... This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Islands, from the Gulf Stream waters to the Redwood Forest. Nobody but me and Buddy knows the song. This this land was made for me. He was saying the blessings of God are not just about Purple Mountain Majesties, and he wanted Americans to realize that God's blessing upon this nation was about people, about people being involved with it. It's it's a great place because people are involved with it, not because scientists sit at their desks and play with their computers and make decisions, but, but people like Rosie the Riveter people like uh, Norman Rockwell who painted, people that build stuff, and people like Robert Fulton who invented a steamship, and people like Eli Whitney who invented a cotton gin, and Alexander Graham Bell who invented the telephone. It's about people. He, He wanted the world to know America is about people. This land is my land. 
It's not just some ethereal, grayish uh, geographical point, but it's, it's, it's about my involvement. He wanted America to realize that. He was saying that it's about people who have needs and strengths and inhibitions and feelings. God wants you to buy in to what he's doing. God's doing great things in the earth. I, I think every one of us could agree that we seem to be quite close to the end of time. And I, I don't even know what I just said, actually. I don't have a clear understanding. Now, when I first started pastoring at age 23, I had a very clear understanding, but not anymore. And uh, But crazy stuff is going on. God wants you to be involved in it. He wants me to be involved in it. He doesn't want you just to stand off to the side while the work of God in Baytown gets done. Wally was nine years old, and uh, Wally was a, a little, I don't know what the politically correct term would be. He was kind of challenged. Everybody loved Wally. He was so sweet, but he was a little simple. And so the lady who was doing the children's Christmas play this particular year, decided that she wanted to give Wally a speaking part. And when she talked to Wally and his mother, Wally could not have been happier if he had won an Academy Award. You know, he was a little behind everybody intellectually, and he was going to get to be the innkeeper. And he had a few lines, and his mother worked with him, and he never missed a practice, and he was so excited to be involved in the Christmas play. So the night came, and the whole church was there. The children were working through the story. Mary and Joseph knocked on the door of the inn, and Wally opened the door. And Joseph said, Sir, we need a room. My wife is about to have our first child. And uh, can you help us? And Wally looked so pitiful. He said, I am so sorry, but I don't have any rooms. I'm, and Joseph and Mary got such a sad look on their face. And, and Wally is just feeling so terrible. He said, right, right down the road, uh, here is a little sheep cave, and it has hay in it, and it's, it's not as comfortable as a, a bed, but it will be warm, and you'll be safe there. And so Joseph took Mary by the hand, and they turned to walk off, and, and Wally's overcome. I mean, he's just, he's into it. And all of a sudden, he cries out, wait a minute, you can have my room. He, he, he didn't want to just be a player. He wanted to be involved in it. 
You know, God wants you to be involved. Yes, he really does. He really does. So Paul's salutations at the end of his letters are very, very interesting to me. He talks about all these people that you never hear about anywhere else. I mean, when's the last time your pastor taught about the life and times of uh, a Syncretus or Phlegon or Hermas or Patrobas or, or any of the, the you know, Philologus? How many preachers have you ever heard preach camp meeting about Philologus? Well, obviously, Paul dictated most of his letters, and a scribe would write down what he was saying. The job of the scribe was to write down everything that Paul said. So this this letter to Romans is pretty long, 16 chapters. It's, a, it's one of the longest epistles. And so Paul, and, and uh, the, the scribe can tell when Paul's getting close to being finished because he starts saying, say hello to him and her and their family and greet them for me. And, and I don't know if Paul maybe paused a minute. It had to be pretty exhausting dictating all of this as he was listening to the voice of God. Maybe he stopped to uh, take a sip of water and uh, there was just it was just a, a little segment of time when he wasn't talking. And in verse 22, the Bible said, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Now, he wasn't supposed to do that. That was out of order. But Tertius had gotten so caught up in what Paul had been teaching preaching and the admonitions, he, he wanted to get a little hello. So actually, Paul did not write the entire book of Romans. There's a, there's a verse there, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. He couldn't remain aloof you know he just he just couldn't any longer he had to get involved you know it's like watching your kids play softball you know you sit there you're the pastor you're supposed to have some effect of decorum and uh, my youngest son was playing outfield one time he was just a little guy. He let a grounder get through his legs, and I jumped up and hollered, Justin, you got to get down on that. Well, Justin's Sunday school teacher was sitting down below me, and she turned around and looked up to me and said, You know, that is Justin out there. I said, Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sister Joyce Massey didn't want anybody messing with her kids. 
you know, you you, you got to get involved. I hear people say, well, I'm just not the emotional type. You're lying. You're just lying. Don't lie. The, the, the Bible says stuff about people that lie, and none of it's good. It's just according to what what uh, turns your motor over. The things that God has in mind for this church this morning has your name on it. Your family is an intricate part of God's plans for Peace Tabernacle. God does not want you to be an onlooker. He wants you to be involved. He wants you to be a worshiper. He wants you to be a prayer warrior. It's very, very important. A number of years ago at the Walmart in Canton, Mississippi, there was a little mother Christmas shopping and she was really working to stretch her budget. She had on slippers and hair pulled back and a ponytail. And she's got her list. And she's meticulously going up and down the aisles of Walmart. And she'll put something in her uh, buggy or cart or whatever you want to call it. A buggy to me. And then she'd scratch the name off. And uh, it's a slow process. She's trying to stretch her budget. And a young man ran by her and snatched her purse off of her arm and started running for the front door. And the last thing that the purse snatcher expected to happen, happened. This little lady kicked off her slippers and took out after him, screaming, It's mine! That's mine! That's mine! And he heard her and he looked back and he, but just before he got to the front door, she made a flying leap clawed him on the back, snatched her purse out of his hand, stood there barefooted and kicked him until the security guard got there. And uh, the manager of that Walmart told reporters, she is the sixth woman that has had her purse snatched during this Christmas season. And she's the only one to get her purse back. You know why? Because that was mine. That belongs to me. It's not just a list of people. My grandbaby's gifts are going to be paid for out of that. Very important. Very, very important. Uh, 60 years ago, almost 60 years ago, my parents purchased this Bible for me. 
and uh, I was taught to read the Bible. I mean, that was just part of it. My, my parents believed everything that was in the Bible, but they had, an, they had another whole Bible of stuff they believed that wasn't in the Bible. I mean, how to mow your grass, just all kinds of stuff. My folks lived by it. And uh, when I was 14 years old, my father died suddenly in a tragic accident. And a few weeks later, I'm laying in my bed in that little mobile home in a little community called King's Dump. And uh, I'm reading this Bible right here. Brother, would you come help me here? And I found something. I want you to uh, come on up here, Beezer. If you'd come up, it would be me, old man. If I fell on you, I'd kill you. I want you to go to where that little tag is and open the Bible. Psalm 116, verse 15 is underlined, isn't it? I underlined that scripture almost 50 years ago. Would you read what it says? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I was 14. I know I had read that scripture before and heard my dad preach on it and use it at funerals, but that night, this became more than the Bible. This became my Bible. It wasn't just about India paper and Moroccan leather and black ink. It was... uh, my Bible. And as I got older, I realized this is not just a book. This is my book. And I can open this Bible to any page. And I can put my finger on any scripture. And I can say, and the word of the Lord came to Tim Mahoney saying, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. This became my Bible. It was was not just a book written by holy men of old. Almost 50 years that I underlined that passage of Scripture, that night the Bible became my Bible. You know what you need to do? When your pastor is preaching 
the power of faith to you. You know what you need to do? You need to send your soul screaming around the church saying, that promise is my promise. That word is my word. He said that to me. That, 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 that's not just words. It's a private message to me. Would you stand with me? When the word of God is preached, you have an opportunity to make it personal. You have an opportunity to make it alive. When healing is preached, when salvation is preached, when the power of the Spirit is preached, why don't you send your soul to the altar saying, that's mine. That's not just a good sermon. That was God's word to me. This land is my land. God wants you to be involved. I, the Lord, say unto thee that the place wherein thou walkest perhaps is not known to thee. You may be living in the shadows. The sunlight may not be permeating your life. But I know where you are. I have things that I want you to accomplish. I have prayers that I want you to pray. I have words of faith that I want you to speak. There are people that I want you to invest in, saith the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Let's love the Lord together, can we? Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. I wonder, have I preached to someone here today that would like to involve yourself more in the cause of God? You would like to involve yourself more in the will and the purpose of God. You want to come down out of the grandstand and you want to get on the field and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Tertius said, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. And Paul left it there. It wasn't next out. It was in there just like Acts 2.38 was. Praise God. Praise God. I wonder if you would like to uh, lift your hands.
and move toward the altar. This is a place of resignation. This is a place of commitment. This is an opportunity to make yourself available to God. Every morning I include in my prayer, Lord, I want to be a tool, an instrument, a vessel of yours. I want to be used of God. No, I can't do what you can do. I can't do what Brother Grant can do. But I'll tell you what, I can do what God wants me to do. Why don't we make use of the altar this morning? God bless you in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Brother Mahoney. When we were having some work done this week, the guy that cut the tree limb for me, nice, nice young man. And I probably spent a total of 30, 40 minutes with him both trips. But I guess being a preacher, people just like to tell me stuff. Almost need a collar. They like to confess. And he started talking about his life. And this last time that I saw him, he told me, he said, Preacher, my life is so messed up. He said, I sent out messages to my friends two days ago. About 11 o'clock at night, I'm just going to kill myself. They said I had a gun. And I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, son, Jesus is the answer. You need Jesus. And started sobbing. And I prayed for him right there. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, why don't you come to church? Because the presence of God changes everything. But I can't make you take that first step. <laughs> you have to get involved. 
The Bible says the Lord looked at a young man one day and told him what he needed to do. He said, Lord, what do I need to do? Well, <clears throat> keep the commandments that I have since I was a kid. And the Lord looked at him and said, well, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. <laughs> and the Bible says he went away sorrowfully because he had much riches. That wouldn't be easy to do. But we're talking about looking in the face of Jesus Christ. We're the only ones that can put ourselves in action. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your tender mercies. I thank you for this anointed word. Thank you for this good man. And I thank you for our wonderful church family. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I know the young folks are back there. I'm sure they didn't cook it, but they've got a bunch of stuff cooked up. I went in there. Well, nobody watched me very close, so I was picking up the lids, looking. <laughs> and it sure looks good. But God bless you. You're dismissed. Shake hands and be friendly. Go get you something to eat. Shake hands of brother and sister Fortenberry and these beautiful girls. Hey, buddy.